0: TUC Radio, Time of Useful Consciousness. Michael Hudson, super Imperialism, From the World Bank to Ukraine. Here are excerpts from a conversation on the new podcast site, India and Global Left. The well-prepared host, Jadishman Mudiar, wants to know why the U.S. has a unique place in the history of imperialism. And his guest, Michael Hudson, describes how much power can be projected by control of the instruments of finance. Michael Hudson is distinguished research professor of economics at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. But, unlike most academics, he has also practiced banking as a balance-of-payment economist in Chase Manhattan Bank from 1964 to 68. Here's Jadishman Mudiar.
1: I was wondering if we could start with your discussion on uh, the World Bank. Your book shows that the World Bank was uh, directly complicit in restructuring uh, the neo-imperial world order,
2: and particularly its effect on the developing world. The World Bank has always been an arm of the US military and very often its president has been uh, the former uh, Defense Department head or uh, a military head. The World Bank, upon its founding, had one basic purpose, to make sure that other countries did not produce their own food. Uh, The idea was to have other countries produce food and services that the United States didn't produce, such as tropical crops or plantation crops. There was an alternative to the World Bank promoted by uh, Morris Forgash, a Senator from Florida for World Bank Acceleration. This was fought by the uh, State Department on the grounds that uh, anywhere that there was a land reform, there was a anti-American policy. And the one heaviest element of America's balance of payments was its food exports. And it realized that here was a way to strangle uh, the global south, Latin America, Africa, and uh, what was called the third world, by being able to cut off its food supply and starve it if it would decide to pursue any policy that the United States did not approve of. It wanted to use food like it's using oil today uh, against Europe by uh, blocking access to uh, Russian oil and by uh, invading the Near East to seize the oil of uh, Iraq, seize the oil of Syria, control the pipelines in Afghanistan, and destroy the oil production in uh, Libya. Well, agriculture was uh, what the fight was all about in the uh, 1950s and 60s and early 70s. I wrote my master's dissertation on uh, the World Bank uh, missions to countries, and all of the missions said, you have to promote domestic agriculture, domestic family farming, and food production. But the World Bank wrote into its articles of agreement that it couldn't do this. The World Bank only made foreign currency loans, mainly in dollars, for projects that would earn foreign exchange. Well, if a country like India or Pakistan or feeds itself, this doesn't earn foreign exchange. So, uh, feeding yourself did not even qualify for loans from the World Bank. Only if you make export crops or produce things that America wants to import, uh, low-wage manufacturers uh, will it do it. And uh, I published uh, an article along those lines uh, in a periodical, the Columbia Journalism Review here, and uh, the Catholic Church became one of my uh, major uh, supporters in the years uh, leading up to the uh, publication of Super-Imperialism in 1972 because their liberation theology came out in favor of uh, land reform. And uh, again, the United States said, uh, if there's land reform, then uh, the American corporations can't control uh, the bananas in uh, Guatemala and Ecuador. One of the first uh, regime changes uh, right after uh, Iran was the coup d'etat that the uh, CIA overthrew in uh, the government in Guatemala, which people wanted to feed themselves, and the United Fruit company said, if they feed themselves, then where are we going to grow our bananas? So uh, again, uh, the World Bank from the beginning was even more destructive of the Global South and Third World countries than the IMF because it it just blocked any attempt to be self-sufficient, and it loaded down these countries with debt. The projects that the World Bank funded uh, with U.S. dollars and U.S. engineering companies was uh, roads to uh, the export facilities, ports. The, the World Bank funded interest. Electricity as well? Yes, electricity that would uh, serve the uh, American companies there and uh, lower the cost of uh, producing exports for firms that American bought control of. So the world, uh, if American company would buy into uh, a country, the World Bank would supply all of the external costs so that the, the company itself, the American company would not have to build roads, would not have to build port facilities. None of this actually helped uh, the, the third world countries develop at that time, uh, but they did help by uh, the American investment, and it was always uh, looked at that. The idea was to make American investment in foreign countries more profitable, prevent other countries from becoming independent in food, so that if they, uh, for instance, in the 1950s, when China uh, had uh, its revolution under Mao, America tried to starve China by blocking all uh, grain exports to China. Canada broke the blockade uh, and enabled China, fortunately, to obtain that grain elsewhere, Uh, but the United States wanted to use that threat against countries, and that's now coming to be very beneficial for the American military today. The uh, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Foundation says the world population has to drop by 20 percent, and what they mean is not the white population, they mean the uh, the global South uh, population, and uh, they've insisted that countries not buy Russian agricultural exports. Russia has become the main agricultural exporter since the United States tried to starve it and put sanctions against it, and fortunately, the sanctions enabled Russia to actually develop its agriculture and become a major exporter. Well, the United States is trying to prevent Russian grain, as you've seen in uh, Ukraine, from uh, getting to the Global South countries, only letting Russian grain be exported to help uh, Europe and the United States, not to anyone outside of NATO. So, uh, you have uh, the results of the warped, one-sided development of uh, the World Bank is funded, resulting in today's crisis throughout uh, the Global South countries. And uh, while these countries are running a balance of uh, trade deficit for their food and energy, they also are still paying uh, the World Bank and foreign bondholders in dollars where the dollar is going way up against their own currency. So you're seeing a massive uh, kind of default that the United States is trying to use as a godsend to force countries into dependence on another military uh, agency, uh, the International Monetary Fund, which will only make them uh, loans to be able to import the food and the energy they need uh, if they agree to let uh, the U.S. buy control of their uh, infrastructure and uh, complete the privatization uh, takeovers that uh, have been taking place for the last 30 years. So, uh, the World Bank is uh, run essentially with a neoliberal economic philosophy by, strongly uh, by the uh, uh, Pentagon, by the uh, military and the State Department interests as a tool of American uh, economic neocolonialism. Right. But the other part is about establishing sort of US
1: hegemony over the developed parts. And Britain was very important because post Second World War, Britain had, even though it had collapsed, it had the potential to sort of revive and sort of pose some competition to the United States. And you go on. Would you very briefly tell us some of the pillars of how? British revival through sort of some sort of protection, be that of trade or monetary, was scuttled by the United States while the United States allowed that for itself, leading to this US hegemony over Europe.
2: Well, one constant throughout World War II uh, that I've described in super imperialism was the attempt to make sure that uh, England would never be a rival for the American empire. The Americans wanted to absorb the British empire into the American empire by making sure that this was done by financial reasons, by controlling the balance of payments. It began with the uh, Lend-Lease and later the British Loan of 1946 that uh, committed Britain to uh, keep the, uh, the whole sterling area, was not to limit its uh, spending on buying British exports, but could buy exports from anywhere. And that meant the United States, which could out-compete with with Britain. And also, Britain was not permitted to devalue the pound sterling until 1949, and that kept the pound overvalued. It was a financial manipulation of sterling to destroy its ability to compete with the United States. Right, yeah.
1: Would you describe a little bit on how the United States shifted from a sort of credit-based imperial country uh, beginning with the Korean War, but more significantly during the Vietnam War as uh, as its war finances went up. It changed from a sort of surplus finance to a deficit finance, and how it sort of miraculously and in an unprecedented way discovered this new way of being an imperial order
2: by, by still being a deficit country. Well, that was what led me to publish superimperialism and what made it a bestseller in so many languages. I was a balance of payments analyst for Chase Manhattan Bank in the 1960s. And uh, the balance of payments was something that was not taught in uh, the universities because if uh, you have an economic theory that says the whole world works on barter, then there isn't any balance of payments deficit, it's all barter but we could see that it wasn't. After World War II, the United States emerged in such a strong position that it had uh, most of the world's gold. And from 1945 until 1950, the United States kept drawing in the gold from Europe and other countries, and by 1950 it had over 70 percent of the world's monetary gold supply. Well, all that began to change with the the, uh, Korean War. Beginning in 1951, uh, even late 50, the United States balance of payments moved into deficit, and the deficit uh, accelerated during uh, the Vietnam War. You had a steady gold outflow, so all the money that w- uh, the United States would be spending on military abroad would end up in the hands of foreign central banks. I did an analysis for Arthur Anderson uh, after I left Chase Manhattan on what really caused the U.S. deficit by uh, doing a statistical analysis. The entire U.S. balance of payments deficit throughout all of the 1950s, all of the 1960s into the seventies was military spending abroad. The private sector was just exactly in balance. It was the military spending that was uh, sending these dollars abroad. And because uh, Vietnam and Southeast Asia had been French colonies, uh, the banks there were mainly French. And so all the money, the dollars that the Americans were spending in Asia were turned over largely to France, to uh, Paris and General de Gaulle would uh, cash them in once a month. Okay, here are the dollars, give us your gold. Germany actually cashed in even more gold than France uh, in many months because it was getting dollars as a result of its uh, industrial export surplus. The more uh, America got involved militarily throughout the world, the less gold it had. And uh, we used to sit uh, every Friday, uh, the Federal Reserve would publish the gold cover. In other words, here's the U.S. currency, here's the uh, gold stock and uh, the U.S. currency, by law, had to be covered 25% by the gold reserves. But the currency was going up because of the Vietnam War inflation. The gold reserves are going down because of the military spending, and it was obvious that the United States was going to run out of gold, and gold was how it had restructured the international financial system after World War II. The American financial power that gave it the diplomatic power over other countries who all needed money was gold. And uh, the belief was when President Nixon finally had to close the gold window, where there was no uh, more leeway for gold to flow out without threatening gold convertibility, everybody thought, is America's imperialism going to be over? Is this going to usher a new world order? And will Europe and other countries running balance of payment surpluses end up in control. I realized very quickly that uh, that wouldn't happen at all, and that uh, the what actually enabled America to create a new kind of imperialism was precisely its going off gold. Because once it went off gold, all these dollars continued to go to the foreign central banks and European countries, of oil exporters, of uh, third world countries exporting uh, raw material. And what were these central banks going to do? Now that they couldn't buy gold, at that time, in the 1970s, central banks uh, would only spend their uh, money on buying bonds of other governments. Well, no other government had as many bonds to issue as the United States because the United States was running a budget deficit. So uh, it was actually the, the worse the American balance of payments deficit grew. The more money it spent abroad militarily, the more money uh, dollars ended up in foreign central banks that recycled them to the United States by buying treasury securities. So it was actually the balance of payments deficit that was financing the domestic uh, budget deficit and locking into countries into uh, having to support the United States dollar, and with it uh, the dollar's foreign spending on military basis all over the uh, world, almost 800. And so uh, it turns out that when foreign central banks uh, adopted the Treasury Bill Standard, the dollar standard, instead of the gold exchange standard, it was really the American military base standard. What they were funding with their international financial savings was America's military spending to surround them with military bases. And uh, that was what led the uh, Defense Department and the State Department to say that I have explained to them how uh, a new form of imperialism worked, was much more efficient than the old uh, European colonialism, especially because other countries didn't understand that it was financial. Uh, You didn't need to occupy a country, you just need to control its minds and how it thought about the economy to imagine that all of this subsidy of the uh, America's free lunch internationally was all perfectly natural uh, and reasonable right one question i had in mind is that
1: which was not very clear from your book is that what prevented uh, is it an economic form of coercion or is it sort of uh, some non-economic political coercion what prevented these surpluses in the central bank of the surplus countries non-us cent- surplus countries to buy back shares of u.s uh, assets because this is what us did uh, you know post second world war Well, what prevented that? Because U.S. corporations are like booming as
2: the U.S. government continues to run deficit. Well, the country who had the most dollars was Saudi Arabia. And I went to a meeting uh, at the White House and met with Treasury officials and uh, they told Saudi Arabia, you can make as much money as you want from uh, exporting your oil at the higher prices. But if you don't send your money back to the United States, we will look at that as an act of war you will be dead. And uh, you're not allowed to buy any American companies. We can buy other companies, but we don't let other countries do to us what we've done to them. You can buy stocks, you can buy bonds, you can buy real estate, but no major American companies that are important to our own national interest. And uh, in exchange, we will help uh, protect you militarily by putting a base there. And of course, our base is there to protect American military against Saudi Arabia, perhaps doing something that is in its own self-interest. So basically, uh, Saudi Arabia was told uh, either you send your money back to the U.S. and essentially lose it on bad investments. Uh, Saudi Arabia uh, kept buying shares of First National Citibank, losing its shirt again and again on Citibank shares uh, because it didn't have good advice as to uh, what to buy, and uh, America would not let it buy anything that actually would make money. Just like uh, with Japan. America told Japan you can buy golf courses and real estate, so uh, Japan bought uh, the land under Rockefeller Center for a billion dollars. It lost the whole billion dollars. It tried to buy luxury golf courses in California, lost a billion dollars again, because uh, the, the golf courses regulated what they could charge. So, America basically would do to other countries, what if uh, other countries did that to, uh, to America, there'd be war and a regime change there. So uh, essentially that was uh, the mode of financial imperialism was financial. And I had wanted to call my book monetary imperialism, but uh, the publisher wanted to call it super instead, but it's really uh, monetary imperialism. And in order to understand it, you have to understand the balance of payments and central banks and how the world financial system operates, which again, is not something that is taught in economics courses in the United States uh, or elsewhere.
1: Sure. Uh, I would like to hear your thoughts about um, what do you feel about the economic interests uh, behind the war that is going on in Ukraine?
2: They uh, decided to have a coup d'etat in Ukraine where the the military put snipers. There was a big uh, demonstration and uh, they put snipers and were shooting their own policemen pretending that it was uh, the Russians that did all of this. There have been uh, a lot of uh, investigations and they've all uh, documented uh, what happened. And then basically the uh, right sector, the right wingers, the uh, the neo-Nazis and Thatcherites and neoliberals who were funded by the United States, Victoria Newland from the State Department went there and said, uh, we've spent $5 billion funding an anti-Russian pro-US uh, movement that we call democracy. Other people call it fascism. He said they may have swastikas, but they're democracy because they're pro-US. And if you're pro-US, that's our definition of a democracy. They uh, cut off uh, all pension payments to the Russian-speaking Eastern provinces. They began uh, moving up the military and uh, constantly uh, shelling civilian apartment buildings there to try to drive the population away they uh, were saying the Russian speakers are racially inferior. The Slavic population is racially inferior. We're Europeans, and being Europeans, we want to kill every other race. That's what uh, development's all about. One race has to be supreme, and it's going to be the white race, and uh, that is, of course, democracy, American style. Democracy means you're all white, the rest of the world, is as, as Victoria Newland said, the EU when the EU wanted to have a development uh, with Russia. Well, that's how America feels about the Global South and uh, all groups, that Asians, Indians, uh, other people. uh, It was uh, very explicit racism, and that is what uh, finally they said, how are we going to really get Germany not to import all of this new gas that Russia has just built, this new pipeline, uh, Nord Stream Number 2, what do we do? Well, Victoria Nuland gave a speech. Uh, She was still at the State Department under uh, Biden, as she was under President Obama. She said, we've got to uh, make it appear as if Russia's the bad guy. We've got to keep goading Russia to react. We've got to be hurting the East, And then we'll say, look at the Russian beast. They're going to invade Europe again, just as uh, they did when they beat the Nazis. Uh, But this time we'll tell the Nazis, we've got your back. We're backing you this time as we, as uh, General Patton and a lot of American generals in 1945, the minute uh, uh, Germany surrendered, America wanted to ally with Germany to have a new invasion with Russia. But uh, uh, Germany was too exhausted at that time. Finally, 75 years later, they said, okay, now, now we're ready to do it all over again. And they uh, tried to back uh, Nazis with uh, the swastikas and the SS insignias. uh, all over again, attacking uh, Russia, and uh, they had thought that uh, this would somehow drain Russia. Every uh, Ukrainian that got shot, he, at least they used up one Russian bullet, and they said, "Pretty now Russia will have fewer bullets. There won't be any Ukrainians left, but at least uh, Russia won't have as many bullets or missiles or, uh, or bombs anymore, and uh, that is because the uh, leadership of the right party uh, was uh, given millions and millions of dollars to put in Panama and uh, Delaware and other offshore banking centers. They were essentially acting on behalf of the United States. And all of this was published by WikiLeaks and by others to show here is all the money that uh, Zelensky and uh, his uh, other Ukrainian kleptocrats have taken abroad. But uh, America said, well, that democracy everybody's making money, Uh, what could be more democratic than that? And uh, they had thought that somehow uh, sanctioning Russia would at least uh, uh, de-industrialize Germany, because Germany wouldn't get any more gas or oil or titanium or uh, helium or uh, palladium, anything else that it needed, and Russia, if it was sanctioned, then uh, it would go broke and the ruble would collapse. Well, uh, all Russia had to do was say, okay, America and Europe have just grabbed all of Russia's foreign exchange reserves, $300 billion. The Americans in Russia grabbed and said, now Russia's broke. Let's see what it did. Well, Russia said, okay, we will uh, just ask for payment in rubles. And uh, they exported their oil to the whole non-white part of the world. That was quite happy to buy Russian oil, Russian food, and the Russian ruble went up, instead of down, Uh, and the Americans couldn't figure that out. Uh, Almost everything the American has done, uh, all of the sanctions have backfired and created the exact opposite of what they had hoped to understand, because they never understood the Russian economy, just as Russia in 1991 and 1990 didn't understand what capitalism was all about. Uh, There was a lack of understanding on on uh, both sides. Uh, And so the United States cannot figure out how everything that it does trying to hurt Russia only makes it stronger, and not only makes Russia stronger uh, and Europe poor, but it also shows the whole rest of the world, the global south, from uh, Latin America, Africa, India, Asia. it, It shows This is what the United States wants to do to you. It wants to treat the whole world like it's treating Ukraine, that if it can't control you, uh, it will destroy your economy. Like it did that of Libya, like it did that of Iraq, like it tried to do in Syria. This is uh, uh, the American philosophy. We say in English, better dead than red. Uh, In other words, you know, we can't control you. you. You saw what happened in Vietnam. You saw what happened in Laos. And essentially, that is how uh, the, the world is now being split into these two different camps, uh, an aggressive uh, U.S. camp that has at least been able to defeat Europe economically. Europe now, without oil, without Russian gas, without Russian raw materials, and without the Russian market to uh, sell its exports to, is uh, in a state of collapse. Where will they move Uh, i hope you have room in india for the germans and the french to move into when uh, they find uh, unemployment i don't know at least you both uh, you speak english and i don't know where else they can move to Uh, the whole world is splitting into something that is uh, unforeseen by uh, the american uh, futurists
0: that was an excerpt from a one-hour conversation between professor michael hudson Distinguished Research Professor of Economics at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and Jadishman Mudiar, host of the podcast site India and Global Left. You can find the full hour on YouTube under the title Why the U.S. Has a Unique Place in the History of Imperialism, published on November 4, 2022. Michael Hudson is the author of many books, among them Superimperialism, The Economic Strategy of American Empire, in 1972. *J* is, for Junk Economics, A Guide to Reality in an Age of Deception. And in 2022, The Destiny of Civilization, Finance Capitalism, Industrial Capitalism, or socialism. My name is Moraya Geleiden. Thank you for listening.